Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. I'm Michael Karam, and welcome to another edition of My Brother's Keeper. Many of you I know are following the events in Ukraine and also in the neighboring countries as refugees leave Ukraine and and, um, are being housed in different nations around. Today we have a special guest who's just uh, come back from that area and will be able to explain a little bit about how, as Christians, we can be our brother's keeper and love in a practical way. But before we begin, I just want to begin with a scripture from 1 John and uh, chapter 3. And uh, it's very, it's, it's right in the middle of this book, but it's one of the ones that people know, but we often don't put into practice. But it's a key scripture actually for us at My Brother's Keeper. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look a little closer at an event that's being watched by people all over the world. Lord, we're hearing it on every newscast. And yet, Lord, we want to know as as Christians in different places in the world, how can we practically love, as the scripture says, in deed and in truth? Because it says, if your love abides in us, Lord, we will do things Lord, that you did. We'll love practically. And so, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today to look at the situation, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch our hearts, soften our hearts. Let us see the situation as you see it. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today today we have Tim Button with us. Tim is uh, from the UK and England, and he's just returned from um, years in uh, serving the Lord in Moldova. We're going to talk to Tim about his own personal journey, and then we're going to hopefully get into the situation right now and how Christians in Moldova and Hungary, Romania, and Poland are opening their homes, opening their doors to refugees from Ukraine. Tim, thanks for being with us today on My Brother's Keeper. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so, Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, you, um, you went out to Moldova, I'm guessing, like three or four years ago, something like that. Yeah, so um, we actually spent a couple of years prior to the COVID-19 pandemic living in Moldova. Um, Rewind slightly before that, um, I had a a wonderful career in the Royal Marines Band Service um, as a musician. And (laughs) I did 10 years years playing music um, and living the dream of a young man, you know, traveling to different countries, playing music as a job. Um, I'd always been brought up in a Christian home. So um, that faith element was always there. Mm -hmm. But in those 10 years, the rubber really hit the road. And I had to make some really, really um, bad choices before Mm -hmm. I really found faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it was in that time when the Lord started showing me, actually, there's more to your life than just playing music. And don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong, the time in the in the, um, the Royal Marines Band was absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. But you know, when the Lord is calling you on something something greater, um, right. those feelings start to just consume your life. 
Um, mm. And I started getting a heart for Moldova, and it was a country mm. I'd never heard of whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like lots of lots of different people I was associated with were talking about this country. Mm. And um, turns out now, poorest country in Europe. Yeah, um, that's right. And we just felt the Lord's call to go out there. Mm. And most people, when they um, when they respond to a call of God, they they kind of have a a bit of a strategy with hey, I'm going to go to this country and I'm going to do A, B and C. I'm going to get to the end goal and everything is going to be absolutely hunky-dory. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we went out there and the need is absolutely enormous. It's the yeah. poorest country in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, average monthly salary of £150 um, approximately. Wow. Um, wow. There's varying varying opinions on what that actually is. Mm -hmm. um, but there was so, we were met with such a need where it was almost overwhelming um, wow. to the point where you could never do enough. Um, mm -hmm. And the first, you know, I would say the first four months of our journey, we were out there um, feeding the, the hungry, um, looking after the widows, giving firewood to those in need. Mm -hmm. um, and we got about four months in and myself and my wife, Ellie, looked at each other and we said, we're doing good stuff practically you could tick the box of yes you're doing the stuff right but it doesn't feel like we're fulfilled with what god has actually called us to do here and now this is this is the real learning ground for us as a couple you see we discovered that the lord needed us to build people not build a project right and it's something we've stood by ever since there's yeah. nothing wrong mm. with projects Projects are really important, as you'll go on to discover mm -hmm. later on. However, it was all about the people. So mm -hmm. the Lord just showed us, actually, you need to just love those that I put in front of you. Mm -hmm. Don't strive to reach people, to tell your supporters, yes, you've met this many people's needs. You've shared the right. gospel with this many people. Just love those that are in front of you. So right. that's where it all went, really. Um, that's and that's, so that's insp amazing, inspiring, yeah inspiring in many yeah. ways because oftentimes we when we're serving the lord in a country we kind of look for things that we can point to that we've done but when you're working with people you can't always point so much to hey we did this or we did that tell us a little bit about the church in moldova like what's the population of moldova and you know what are most what's the breakdown of people's their religious beliefs and things moldova i, I think i've heard varying um different um, estimates on the population i yeah. imagine from looking at stats it's in the region of about three million okay um following the fall of communism in 1991 a lot of people went abroad to to make money and to to make money to send back to their families and in, in and that in the villages in moldova so right. um, a lot of people have left there's been mm -hmm. a mass exodus previously uh -huh. right. um the church in moldova um as you can imagine, being in Eastern Europe, it's quite heavily Orthodox, Russian okay. Orthodox, mm -hmm. um, which is very much about, you know, um, worshipping statues and saints and, mm -hmm. you know, the religious elements of it. Um, so that's how big is like, face. how big is there like an, is there an evangelical church there? Is that growing? Is that big? How, what, what kind of percentages? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you exact percentages, being honest yeah. with you. However, um, what we saw when we were there, we were part of the International Christian Fellowship, okay. which is um, just a, 
an amazing community, multinational community of believers. Right, right. tell me something. They have uh, those international Christian fellowships are in every country in the world. They're mostly English speaking, but they're made up of multinationals, all kinds of different people. Even locals go to those churches. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the people in in ICF in Kishinev, which is the capital of Moldova, um, they were expats. So Mm. they were working for the embassies, they were working as missionaries, they were working in schools and colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. Um, And aside from that, the amazing thing was, and this is just really amazing how God blew your mind with things. We went to Moldova thinking you're going to work for Moldovans. Um, We then had a massive community of Indian medical students who were there studying medicine at the university Mm -hmm. in Chisinau. And honestly, like they were a huge part of our journey in Moldova. Mm. Um, And yeah, just something we never really expected. Um, But but the church is certainly alive in Moldova. Mm -hmm. Um, ICF, International Christian Fellowship, was one of many. Um, A lot of our friends are part of different churches, um, Mm -hmm. Moldovan churches, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, some Russian-speaking, some Romanian-speaking. Right, but that's how the Lord led you. The Lord led you into specifically working with students while you were there. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, you had an idea and then you got there and then God changed your plan. And uh, how did that work out for you and your wife? It was a massive faith step for us to go to Moldova. Like, you know, when we were telling our friends, hey, we're moving to Moldova, some of them must have thought, you are crazy. You are just mm-hmm. doing such a crazy thing. And then there was mm-hmm. others that were really um, just knew the hand of God was on it. Right. Um, but I suppose we went out there slightly naive as mm-hmm. to as to just how much God was going to do in us, because right. um, quite often we think it's about what we're giving other people. Right. And I'm I'm hopeful that we probably did a bit of good for some people anyway. Right. But I genuinely feel like it's what they did for us, what God showed us about mm-hmm. healthy church community, about church's family, about the kingdom of God, about mm-hmm. loving your neighbor, loving one another, mm-hmm. and Excellent. just being okay with actually mm-hmm. be still and know I am God, not mm-hmm. be busy and crazy and um, mm-hmm. always having a, having a plan and a, an agenda, right. um, but actually just be still and follow my voice, mm-hmm. just listen mm-hmm. to me. Um, so it was a real learning ground for us. And we're you know, still it, learning now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure you are. And, you know, in some ways, in some of the work that I've been involved in and others in the Middle East, they often ask, you know, wow, you, you must have been, uh, you, you know, you must have such a heart. You must have given so much. But oftentimes I notice that when you go into a situation, you receive as much as you give. Absolutely. Yes. We came back full. <laughs> <laughs> and we this is one of the... Family. Right. And this is one of the poorest countries in Europe, like you're saying. I mean, everybody knows Moldova is not a, you know, economically prosperous country. And yet you're, you actually shared a little with me before about how they've responded even to this latest crisis in Ukraine. So let's kind of move into that a little bit. I mean, I know these Eastern European countries, some of them are not really wealthy. And yet, you know, we have this massive refugee movement from Ukraine to the West. And a lot of them showed up at the Moldavian border is from what I understand. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to say at this point that we we stand with everybody at this time that is um, that is grieving, that is in pain, that is um, just being you know moved devastated. and yeah. devastated through this crisis. It's absolutely heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and 
I know just how difficult it's been for a lot of people this last two weeks. Our phone hasn't stopped ringing with things that are happening in, in Moldova in Eastern Europe. Wow. Um, it's heartbreaking. Um, what can we say other than there's a lot of evil going on right now? Right. Okay. Um, we, we battle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. And that is exactly what we're seeing right now. We're mm. seeing um, a satanic, demonic move through mm-hmm. mankind that right. is destroying this nation, this beautiful, beautiful nation. I've mm-hmm. got Russian friends. I've got Ukrainian friends. I've mm. got Polish friends. I've got Moldovan wow. friends. Wow. And do you know what? They're not responsible for this. Right. This is one one group of people, and I'm not going to get into the politics of it because I'm pretty limited with all that stuff. But what I know is Ukraine is a beautiful nation of beautiful people with 70% Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, these people are on their knees, okay? So at this yeah. time where all hell essentially is breaking loose in their country, Ukraine is fighting from mm-hmm. a place of prayer. Right. Okay? Wow. I've had messages yeah, sharing videos of people under bridges that have been blown up to protect the country of mm-hmm. all these people praying and worshiping in subways, wow. people wow. just having time with the Lord and knowing how important mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is just a real encouragement knowing it's a priority for the nation of Ukraine. And it's so important to, to acknowledge that. Right. Um, no, that's good because that's not something you're going to hear on the news generally is that this is a country no. that's praying. I mean, we've heard some reports back because, you know, we're not far from the crisis as well. There's a whole, huge Ukrainian Jewish community. And so the, it's yeah. on the news every night here. But, you know, you don't hear the issue of, hey, this is a, a country that's 70% Christian. They're praying. They're, they're passionate on their faith. I mean, we know Ukrainian Christians as well. We know Russian Christians as well. I mean, it's a tragedy, yeah. as we were saying, on both sides of this issue. But tell us what, you know, what's happening when they're coming to the border now. They're getting to these borders. I mean, uh, from what we have heard on the news, there's the, the men are staying and then the women and children are fleeing to the borders. So they get to run it, run it back. What would it be like right now for someone to get to the border? Who would they be met with? How would they be helped practically? Yeah, so bearing in mind, a lot of these um, Ukrainian nationals that are reaching the borders, the three um, border crossing points in Moldova, they've been queuing for hours on end, okay? They mm. are shattered. They're mm. malnourished. They're mm. probably cold because it's really, really cold out yeah, there. Um, they get to the borders mm-hmm. and um, they are met by the loving people of Moldova, the church mm. of Moldova, the volunteers, wow. the NGOs of Moldova. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I must admit, when I receive messages from people showing that the church were the first people to respond to mm. those border crossings, it really, really did my heart Amen. just a world of good Amen. knowing the church is stepping up. The church is stepping up um, ever since then. OK, so people have been taken by transport to houses in, in Chisinau, the capital, and all the other places in Moldova that can facilitate and house um, right. house these refugees. I don't even like calling them refugees right? because just, I think we're labeling them some of these right. displaced, precious yes. Um, people, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think all of our friends that we are associated with in Moldova mm-hmm. um, have said to us, look, our home is full with these people, these families mm-hmm. that have come that are yeah. just 
in need of love and a safe place and a warm meal and a warm drink. So they're taking them in, housing them. Right. Yeah. They're that's. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. The, amazing, I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't think, you know, when you're looking at news, you're thinking, okay, maybe they're putting them in hotels or maybe they're finding them schools to put in. But what you're saying is they're actually people are opening up their homes. And this is in one of the most poorest countries in Europe. Yeah, so, exactly that. Yeah. You have got the um, you've got the church buildings and the sports halls that are being filled with beds and things. You've mm-hmm. got, I think, um, Airbnb are now participating in okay. opening up their accommodation. But right. I think it says a lot about individuals mm. that are being church, that are being the love of Jesus to these people. Wow. Um, you know, especially where they've got so little themselves, they're already mm-hmm. struggling. A lot of people, a lot of the Moldovans, struggling with extreme poverty anyway. Right. So for them to open the homes and feed people with the little they have, Mm. I think it just says a lot about the Moldovan nationals, but Mm. it also says about the power of our God. Right. No, I mean, actually, when you're talking, I'm thinking about Paul and, you know, a lot of what Paul's work was in in the New Covenant was he was taking gifts from one place and giving them to another. And he's kind of He's actually, um, uh, you know, he's, in, he's, he's showing this, uh, you know, he's really kind of sh- showering praise on, I think it was the church in, in Thessaloniki that gave beyond its ability, you know, even beyond its ability to do it, to bless other churches. You know, we see this kind of going on where there's in one side of the world, there's need and the other side, there's, there's plenty. And he's kind of, he's t- a lot of his journey was just taking funds from one place to another to show that these people were concerned about their brothers in different places. So this is what it sounds like is happening here. And in, one, yeah. and, and in one of the poorest countries, one of the most uh, least economically developed countries in Europe. So tell us a little bit about your particular charity. You work with uh, what's called Big Love. Interesting name. I like the name Big Love Charity. Uh, what's their yeah. focus? What are, they, what are they involved in right now in, in Moldova, Ukraine, or in uh, different countries there in Poland? Yeah, so um, Big Love is just a big, huge expression of the love of Christ. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Once again, backtrack. So we had a charity um, following our time in Moldova that was Mm -hmm. set up to help those in Moldova. And we just felt the Lord say, the time is coming to to sow this into the ground, to lay it down. And bear in mind, we've got a huge heart for Eastern Europe. We were a bit confused. Um, We laid it down and we we became friends with a couple called Stu and M. Alloway, who Mm. turn out to be the founders of the Big Love Charity. Okay, and we knew from quite early on that there was definitely a like a similar spirit where we just sang off the same chord sheet and we were just on the same page for what the kingdom looked like Amen. and the way the Lord wanted to meet the need of people. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they worked in uh, in Romania, so they work in two places there. They work in Kalarash and Doimoldoben, um, and they're doing fantastic work. Not just um, not just giving handouts and, you know, that kind of thing, but actually getting alongside locals and empowering Mm. locals and supporting Mm. locals to better their future. So it's Mm -hmm. a long-term strategy. So we we connected with Big Love um, and Stu and M, and we were blown away with what they were doing already in Romania. Um, And they also work with an amazing um, community centre called Outstretch Hands. So they really... um, they really kind of sold what they were doing to us, but right. we just went away and prayed and we knew 
we laid down our charity because we had to be part of this amazing work that was going on with Big Love because it was kingdom focused. So before long, we started talking about what does this look like in Moldova? So now we've got Big Love Moldova. So myself and Ellie, um, we are the Big Love Moldova facilitators. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially what that looks like is all of our partners, um, Phoenix Center, which is a disabled center in the north of Moldova, and mm-hmm. Lavia Community Center in uh, Chisinau, the capital, right. um, alongside other individuals, um, mm-hmm. they're now going to be you know, able to be supported through Big Love Moldova. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got Big Love Moldova, Big Love Romania, all under the umbrella of Big Love, this amazing charity. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this horrific refugee crisis is thrown into the mix. Okay. Um, so it's quite simple, really. We we prayed, Shu and M um, got in touch and said, look, we need to respond to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always, um, they are real prayers. So the first thing they did, they prayed and they sought the Lord on what this looks like for the charity. Um, and it was agreed, we need to meet the immediate need, but we also need to look at the long-term need of this yeah. crisis. Because right. although this is a now, um, it's a now thing, this right. struggle is going to go on potentially for years to come. Right. So right. we don't want to exhaust things and meet the need for one month. We want to be here in two years, standing yeah. strong and empowering people to rebuild right. Yeah, that's good. Excellent. Because oftentimes a lot of money is, we know in the relief situation, a lot of times money is thrown in very quickly when there's a crisis, but then that goes away and you have to rebuild lives. People have to go on. And, you know, you're right. You were looking at a a situation that probably is going to displace people for quite some time. And so there's got to be long-term strategies as well. So, so how would you you know, as someone that's lived there, has been there, have seen the situation, who has a heart for it, how would you suggest other people from the nations, how can they stand with their brothers and sisters, you know, from Ukraine, in Moldova, all in all these nations now that are going to be totally changed after this? They're going to be very affected from here on in. How do people kind of stay involved in a long-term way? How can they pray? How can they give? You know, where do you suggest them to be, to, for people to get involved? I would say the first port of call as believers, we need to just be solely praying like mm. diligently, fervently for this crisis that's ongoing. We need right. to be praying for the families that are displaced, the families that have lost loved ones, right. and those men that are still in Ukraine fighting right. and protecting their country. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's really important. Um, mm. From a practical level, I think wholeheartedly the way forward um, at the moment is to push finance into an organization, you know, such as Big Love, that are able to channel it through the locals in Romania, Moldova, and Ukraine, that mm. are able to meet the on the ground, on the on, on the ground struggle and mm. on the ground need, wow. but also be looking at making a plan of how this can go beyond the now. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You know, I'm looking at the you were talking about this this evil that's kind of come. And I mean one of the marks that Yeshua talked about in the last days was that because of the increase of evil, the hearts of men will grow cold. And yet here we see, you know, the church responding in a very, you know, not in a cold way, not at all, opening their arms, opening their homes. And so really, it, I mean, it's a, it's a testimony to sometimes this faith that maybe seems to be hidden 
And yet in a crisis, it's kind of come forth. So this is really, really good. So, you know, I'm looking at these different nations and it seems like right now, I don't know the numbers that we're looking at right now. I think I've heard over a million refugees, but it could go as high as 4 million uh, in -hmm. the next few weeks. Uh, And that's like, I I don't know what they said, what part of the percentage of the population of Ukraine, but a very, very large number could really spill over into these other countries. So it's really... important that people just don't respond to what they see on the television, but they have a long-term view on how to support these nations. What about going? Let's see somebody like you or somebody who said, hey, I want to go. I want to go and help. Is there an opportunity for people actually to physically go into these nations and kind of help, or are they just going to get in the way? Um, Mm -hmm. We've actually got a team from Big Love out in Romania as we speak um, who are going assessing the situation on the ground. So Mm. they're not only delivering well-being courses for, for ladies in the village, Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually going to the border to see what the need is actually on the border, how they can distribute aid. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in terms of people going now, it's probably not the best idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, investing that finance into a project where there is people already on the ground is the best Good. method right now. However, okay. in future that may change. Right. Um, but I know as an organisation we're looking at how can we send out with our partners aid so we're planning on sending out a 22 ton truck from the wow. uk which will mm-hmm. carry aid um mm-hmm. to the front line both in moldova and ukraine which is amazing wow. um so yeah finance 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 at the moment right a prayer well listen one of the things we want to do too is i want to allow you and i mean obviously your heart is on one side uh you know broken over what you see but it's also passionate for you know the kingdom of god being you know established in these countries and for you know, more people to really understand the true message of Yeshua. You know, I was thinking as you were talking, um, you know, when, when Peter and, and Yeshua are having this conversation at the end of life, he says, you know, feed my sheep. And I mean, sometimes yeah. we think about it in a spiritual way. Sometimes we think about it in a physical way, but it's actually both. I mean, obviously yeah. people's lives have been totally upended right now on, on really on both sides of the border. And yet this is an opportunity for people really to do the work of the Lord by just feeding sheep, by just caring for people. And so maybe you could just in our last minute here, just lead us in prayer for the situation in Ukraine and the nations around. Yeah, Father God, we want to, we want to just stand together today and honor your name. Mm-hmm. We want to thank you that you are the King of Kings and you are the Lord of Lords. And Lord, there is no surprises for you. Everything that's happening in Ukraine is not a surprise to you. Um, But Lord, we want to thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom of light. Your kingdom is a kingdom of hope and truth. So Lord, we pray that your truth would prevail. Your truth would set people free through this crisis. We pray that your church would continue to arise, to arise, continue to love, continue to reach out to those in need, continue to reach out to those destitute abandoned desperate hearts right now lord jesus i pray lord that this would be um a real season of your word going forth Mm -hmm. and multiplying in people's hearts lord across eastern europe and the world so lord Mm -hmm. we commit the precious people of ukraine to you and lord we pray that every high thing must come down in the nation of russia we pray for every evil act every evil thought every evil agenda Lord, we pray that it would be exposed in the name of Jesus. And we commit all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tim, thank you for being with us today. It was a privilege to talk to you. I really enjoy your heart, your passion, and I hope people will watch and respond.
Thank you for those for joining us on another edition of My Brother's Keeper. We're going to see, see you again uh, next month, and please be praying for the people of Ukraine and the nations around. Shalom from Jerusalem. I'm Michael Karam. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.